Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Springs weekly podcast. Every week we'll provide you with the weekend message from our Sunday service. Good morning, Harvest Springs. It's really great to see all of you today on this Father's Day. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're with us as well. And we do hope that you check out the Global Leadership Summit and register for that event because we believe it can influence you as you influence others. So we're almost to the end of this series that we've been calling the First Church of the Nazarene. And perhaps you've been here for the past eight weeks or off and on, or maybe you haven't been here at all. So let me give us a recap throughout the book of Acts. The book of Acts is written by a man named Luke. It has 28 chapters. It's actually the second volume of a two-volume book. The first volume is Luke's gospel called Luke. And then he writes this other book that we know as Acts today about what happens after Jesus raises from the dead. So in the first week, we looked at how Jesus gives this charge to his disciples who are about to be on their own as he's going to ascend to heaven. He gives them this charge in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and this verse will set the literary agenda for all of Acts. And Jesus tells his disciples this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And we're going to focus on that word today, witness, because that's a key word throughout all of Acts. Jesus says to his disciples, you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. So a witness is someone who tells people about what they have seen and heard. And this is when Jesus tells his disciples where they will tell people about him. He says, you'll tell, tell people about me in Jerusalem first, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And these four geographical locations will set the agenda for the book of Acts. And so the first seven chapters focus on this city of Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified, he rose from the dead, and then in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon these disciples. Now that Jesus has ascended into heaven, they're waiting for that power to come from the Holy Spirit. There's this incredible transformation. The church begins, they receive the Spirit, they begin to speak in languages that everyone else understands, but they had no idea how to speak until the Spirit came upon them. And Peter preaches this message, 3,000 people come to know Jesus as their Savior in Acts chapter 2, and the church begins to grow and grow and grow. And then there are these signs and wonders that happen in, in Acts chapters 2, 3, and 4. People are being healed. Everyone's coming together as the church. They're sharing all their life, all their possessions. And again, the church grows and grows because the church is a sign. It's a sign that Jesus has done something and that his life and his death and his resurrection changes everything. And these new people who have gathered around Jesus, they started what we call today as a, a church in Jerusalem. They're spreading. God's doing all these things. And they have so much leadership and so many things to do that they eventually have to call other people to, to, to be leaders. And one of those leaders is a man named Stephen. We meet him in Acts chapter 6, and Stephen is so passionate about Jesus. He begins telling everyone that Jesus has risen from the dead, and this creates conflict and drama. And Acts is full of drama. There's all this conflict and all these things that are happening. Really, Acts is just this one big story with a lot of different speeches in them. But there's a, a movement from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. So Stephen gives his testimony. It makes the Jewish leaders upset in Jerusalem. They stone him to death because of what he said. And there's a man named Saul standing at Stephen's death. We meet him a couple chapters later 
as he is on the road to Damascus. He is going to persecute people who believe in Jesus because he is a zealous Jew and wants to eradicate these people known as the way, the way of Jesus. And something happens on this road to Damascus. Saul meets Jesus and everything changes. And then Saul disappears from the story for a while. We meet a man named Peter and Cornelius and God gives this vision to Peter about this sheet that comes from heaven and all these different animals. And God says, Peter, get up, kill and eat. And what God is prompting through this vision is that this good news about Jesus isn't just for the Jewish people. It's gonna also be for people who are outside this covenant people of God known as the Jews. It's gonna be for the Gentiles. So the message begins to spread outside of Jerusalem. It goes to Samaria by a man named Philip and it goes to Judea also to the south of Jerusalem. And then it's going to the end of the earth. And Saul, who was at Stephen's death, who met Jesus on the road to Damascus, is going to be the person who we know as Paul later throughout the book of Acts, is going to take this message to the entire known world of that day. And Paul goes on three missionary trips. He takes the message all around the Mediterranean world to these different cities. And last week, we looked at how the way of Jesus collides with the way of the world. And what Paul is preaching about this way of Jesus is very different than the world that he is in, a world that is first century Greco-Roman world that's, that's, that's ruled by a worldview that's very different than what Paul is preaching the way of Jesus, and that collides, and that begins to stir up trouble. People accuse Paul of turning the world upside down because of these new ideas he's talking about Jesus and the resurrection and all that God has done in his son Jesus, and Paul is preaching this. And he goes to this city called Ephesus, and we looked last week at how God began to change these people who once were classified as Gentiles and pagans. They met Jesus. They began to change. And God started a church there through what Paul did. And today we're going to continue the story. And we're going to cover Acts chapters 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, and 26. You know, that's six chapters. It's a lot of stuff. So I'm going to do my best to paraphrase this story. But really, what we're going to wade into this morning is this drama. Our world is full of drama. It's full of all kinds of conflict and chaos in the past two and a half years when the pandemic has really intensified this drama. And throughout this series, we've been looking at how people inside the church, yeah, I was going to get there, but that's okay. Throughout this series, we've been looking at church signs, many different church signs about how churches portray themselves to outsiders and what it says about the insiders. So I came across this sign today that really goes along with what we're going to talk about today. In the height of the pandemic, imagine a church sign having this, I want to be like Saul. I want to be on the road to demask us, right? Do you remember that tension that was around masks about a year ago, a year and a half ago? I'm sure there were other church signs that were, had all kinds of messages about having masks to protect people and love one another. But this tension is real, and there's a tension in the story because it's full of drama. And there's going to be some tension that we're going to encounter. Paul is going to be in conflict with some Jews in Jerusalem, and that's going to set him on a trajectory to go to Rome to a, when he appeals to Caesar. So our task today is we're going to look at two speeches in the midst of these six chapters that Paul gives to two different audiences. And we're going to look at how you and I are also called to be a witness today where we're at where God has placed us 
in the time and the place that we find ourselves right now. Because Paul was a witness, and God invites us as followers of him to be witnesses to what he's done in our own lives. And Paul gives us some ideas through his own testimony about how we are to be witnesses today. And so here's the big idea for this morning. It's on your notes page if you picked one up on your way in, but it's also going to be up on the screen. Here's the big idea that will drive everything we talk about today, and I hope you remember this throughout your week, is that a witness shares the story. A witness shares the story about how Jesus changes everything. And then a witness also invites others to experience the transformation found in the resurrected Jesus. You and I, if we've, if we, if we've given allegiance to Jesus as king, we're called to be a witness to what Jesus has done in our lives, just as Paul was. So we're gonna, we're gonna look at this story through Acts chapter 21 through 26, but before we do that, let me pray, and then we're gonna jump into these stories together today. Let's pray. God, we, we look to you this morning. We ask that in the midst of, of this time and this place, God, that you would quiet our hearts, that we would be comfortable in your presence, that you'd open our ears to what you'd have to say to us through this story. It just seems like a lot of events and a lot of facts and a lot of words. But God, I pray that you would help us to, to understand that you've called us to be witnesses as well, just like Paul was. And so we give you thanks and praise for your word. May it be living and active in us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If Acts 21 through 26, actually if the entire book of Acts was a made-for-TV drama, would you watch it? Would you watch it? Maybe. Some of you are like, eh, I don't really know. Some of you watch, whether that's on Hulu, Netflix, or whatever, drama. All these dramas on TV portray a story about what's happening. And imagine with me this morning if Acts 21 through 26 was a drama like that that you would watch, but I'm going to tell you this story in seven acts, seven different scenes that take place, and we'll look at two speeches in here. And there are seven characters that we need to be aware of who are very active in this story of these chapters. The first is Paul, obviously. Paul is the main character in the story. He's the one who met Jesus on the road to Damascus. We'll talk about that in, in, a, in a few minutes. He's a witness, he's a missionary, he's a church planner, and he's accused by someone of being a ringleader of the cult of the Nazarene. So we're calling this series the First Church of the Nazarene because Jesus was from Nazareth. He was considered a Nazarene, and Paul was associated with those who were also associated with Jesus, the Nazarene. And he's accused of being the ringleader of the cult of the Nazarenes. Jesus, who has died, He's resurrected, he's ascended, is an active participant in this story as well. Jesus is going to come and he's going to talk to Paul many times throughout these chapters. And the Holy Spirit is also here, an active character in this story, empowering the mission and driving all of what happens in Acts. And then we're going to meet three different Roman officials. We're going to meet a man named Felix, a man named Festus, and a man named King Agrippa II all of which are going to hear Paul 
and make a decision about what happens with his life. And finally, we meet a man in disguise. A man through a phrase that we may just overlook and read over by a pronoun, we. So in these chapters in Acts, and it actually happened a little bit before in Acts chapter 16, I believe, we get this pronoun, we. Luke is the the man writing this story, the Gospel of Luke, and also Acts, and now he puts himself in this story by using this pronoun, we. He's including himself in all these actions that are happening. He's now a part of Paul's crew. They're traveling all over the known world, spreading the Gospel of Jesus, and Luke is tagging along. And I imagine he has all these scrolls, and he's taking notes about all the places they go, and that's why there's so much of a travel itinerary in Acts of all the places they go, because I imagine Luke taking notes. We went here, maybe keeping a diary. We went to this place one day, and then we went here, and then this happened, and this happened, so they could come back, and he could write the book of Acts for us. And so Luke is in the story. Acts chapter 21 begins the first act of this seven-act drama in Acts chapter 21 through 26. Paul has just departed the the Ephesian elders, he had a, a very heartwarming meeting with them. They prayed for him. They sent him on his way. And he continues traveling, and he has his face like Jesus set to go to Jerusalem. And in this first act, in Acts chapter 21, verses 1 through 14, Paul gets some conflicting reports to the Holy Spirit. Someone says, don't go to Jerusalem. Another prophet says, you're going to go to Jerusalem, and you're going to be bound by the Jewish officials. And Paul continues to go to Jerusalem. And in verse 14 of chapter 21, everyone gathers around Paul. They're about to send him on his way on a boat. And they gather around him and they say, when it was clear that we, is that pronoun, Luke is here. When we couldn't persuade Paul not to go to Jerusalem, we gave up. And we said, the Lord's will be done. The Lord's will be done. I hope that phrase recalls some echoes from the life of Jesus. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's about to go to the cross, and he prays, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. And Paul, in this moment, is following this path of Jesus to Jerusalem for whatever awaits. It could be his death. It could be he could live. He could face trial. But ultimately, he's following Jesus to Jerusalem. And the second act happens when Paul arrives in Jerusalem. The end of Acts chapter 21 through the end of the chapter, Paul arrives in Jerusalem. And he goes there and he meets with all the elders who are in Jerusalem and he begins to tell them all the things that God has done to the Gentiles, how they receive the Holy Spirit, how God is active among them. And they tell Paul, that's great. But listen, Paul, you're in Jerusalem now. And I know you're out there all around the Mediterranean preaching the good news about the gospel of Jesus, but people here, People here think that you're going against everything that you stood for at one time because they're accusing you, Paul, of not following and teaching the Gentiles not to follow the law of Moses. And there's some chaos, some conflict, some drama. And these people are going to come after Paul. So they encourage Paul, act like a Jew in Jerusalem. So Paul goes to the temple in Jerusalem. He begins to go through a ritual ceremony that's taking place. And while he's in the temple, some Jews from Asia who had been upset with Paul before, 
caused a riot. They come and they see Paul in the temple, and they think that Paul took a Gentile into the temple, which would have broken the law of Moses. And so they grab him, they seize him, and they create a mob, and they begin to beat Paul. They drag him out of the temple, and they begin to beat him until the Roman soldiers who are in a fortress outside of the city get wind that there is chaos happening in Jerusalem. They charge into the city. They, they rescue Paul from the Jews, and they begin to drag him to the Roman fortress. And as they drag Paul away, in Acts chapter 21, verse 36, listen to what the crowd says about Paul. Acts chapter 21, verse 36, the crowd followed behind and they were shouting, kill him, kill him. Luke is doing something in his writing to be very intentional. Jesus heard the same words in Jerusalem, crucify him, crucify him. And here Luke is setting up Paul in the same vein. People want to kill Paul because of Jesus and the message he's spreading about him. And yet the Roman soldiers, they protect Paul. We move to the, to the next scene, Act 3. Paul has this conversation with the Jewish or with the Roman commander of the soldiers. They have this conversation in Greek, the language of Greek. And the commander thinks that Paul is a terrorist. Paul says, no, I'm not that guy. I'm just a Jew. Can I speak to all those people outside who want to kill me? So the commander gives him permission. And then Paul, because he's bilingual, he changes the language that he's speaking. And he addresses the crowd of Jews in front of him in Aramaic or Hebrew. And here's a speech I want you to listen to because Paul is standing on the steps of the fortress outside of the city of Jerusalem. Everyone's gathered around him. They want to kill him. And Paul is going to be a witness. He's going to give a testimony to what God has done in his life through Jesus Christ, how Jesus changes everything. And he's going to invite them to do that, but they can't hear him because they have these preconceived notions about what God can do in their own mind. And so listen to what Paul says. Imagine being in the crowd. You're a Jew, a Jew who wants to kill Paul. And Paul stands up and he says this, brothers, we're in the same family. And esteemed fathers, listen to me for I offer my defense. And when they heard Paul speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. And then Paul said, I am a Jew. He's going to tell them exactly who he is, where he came from. I was born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia. I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under a rabbi named Gamaliel. And as a student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. And I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. Paul's saying we're so much alike. We're all Jews. We're zealous for God's ways. And then he goes on to tell them this, and I persecuted the followers of the way of Jesus. I hounded some of them to death. I arrested both men and women, throwing them into prison. And in fact, the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so, for I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the Christians from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. Paul's telling this story. You can read this story in Acts chapters 8 and 9. 
of exactly what Paul is doing. He's telling it all over again. And then he tells them this story about how he met Jesus. In verse 6, I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon and a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. Paul goes on to tell them, the people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord Jesus said to me, get up and go into Damascus. and There you'll be told everything you are able to do. Do you see how Jesus is speaking to Paul? And Paul is recounting this story to the Jewish people who are gathered outside to kill him. He goes on to say, I was blinded for three days by this intense light, and I had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. And a man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well-regarded by all the Jews in Damascus. He came and he stood beside me, and he said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. In that very moment, I could see him, Paul says. He's retelling this story, Acts chapter 9. And then he told me, then Ananias told Paul, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to be, to know his will and to see the righteous one, to see Jesus and to hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you've seen and what you've heard. What are you waiting for, Paul? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And so he did. Paul got up, he was baptized and then he tells us that after I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple. So if you read Acts 9, Paul is baptized. He begins to preach in Damascus. Somehow he makes his way back to Jerusalem. And one day, he's telling all these people gathered outside this fortress that he was praying in the temple. And he saw a vision of Jesus. And Jesus is going to speak to him saying, hurry, leave Jerusalem. For the people here won't accept your testimony about me. And Paul has this little argument with Jesus. But Lord, I argued, that's, they certainly know that, I, that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you and I was in complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. Paul's arguing with Jesus and saying, look, they know who I am. I used to persecute them and kill them. But the Lord said to Paul in verse 21, go for I will send you away to the Gentiles. And Jesus is giving the mission to Paul to go to the ends of the earth, to take this message about Jesus to people outside of the Jewish people, to the Gentiles. When, and when Paul says this word Gentiles, the crowd began to shout, and they caused an uproar so much that the soldiers feared for his life. And so they took him in the fortress. They ordered that he be beaten. And Paul, in that moment, reveals that he's a Roman citizen and it's illegal to flog and to beat a Roman citizen. And so they stopped doing that. And they put him in prison for the night. But Paul gave witness, a testimony to everything that Jesus had done in his life, how he met Jesus, who he was before he met Jesus, and what he was after that. And the people at the footsteps of that fortress couldn't hear it because they were so they had their mind made up. They were so set on killing Paul because of what he was doing to go against their own traditions. But they couldn't hear, they couldn't see what Jesus wanted to do in their life. 
And the next day, Paul goes to the high council. And again, drama happens. This council is made up of two different sects of Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Paul says, I believe in the resurrection. And the Sadducees don't. So there was this conflict. And again, the Roman soldiers had to intervene. They brought Paul back into the fortress because they thought they were going to tear him to pieces. And in that moment, as Paul is in this fortress, he encounters Jesus one more time. We see this in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Jesus comes to Paul in the night. And he says, be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news of the gospel in Rome as well. So Paul is arrested, but he gets this message from Jesus that there is somewhere else you need to be to spread this message about me, and that's in Rome. Rome is a long way from Jerusalem. So how does Paul get there? But to keep moving to Act 4, because there's a plot to kill Paul. Paul's in custody. And yet there's this group of men who vow together not to eat until they've killed Paul. And Paul's nephew overhears this plan. He tells Paul, who then sends his nephew to the commander of these soldiers. And the commander has an action to save Paul by sending him to Caesarea, many miles to the west of Jerusalem on the Mediterranean coast, where there's a man named Felix, who's the governor. And under the cover of darkness and almost 500 Roman soldiers, Paul is whisked away from the threatened Jerusalem to Caesarea where he's put in prison, and the next day he comes before Felix, and that's in Acts, the Act 5 and Acts chapter 23 and 24. And Felix says, I'll hear your case, but your accusers have to come here to, to Caesarea. And so the Jewish leaders come, they bring a lawyer with them who accuses Paul of being this ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. And Felix hears all that Paul is saying, and Felix is really inquisitive about this way of Jesus because his wife is a Jew. And eventually Felix has Paul held in prison in Caesarea for two years. And they have many conversations, Felix and Paul and his wife, about Jesus. But Felix really doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to hear this story about Jesus. About a month and a half ago, I had the pleasure of being in Caesarea, Caesarea Maritima. It's on, the, it's on the Mediterranean coast. It's an incredible city. You can see the ruins there. It's a city that was built by Herod the Great, the Herod when Jesus was born. He built a harbor that looks a lot like this. This is the actual harbor that was there. But he built up the shore so that boats could come in. This could be a place where there could be commerce and trading. A tour guide told us that he also built this false facade that underneath that where the sea comes in, there's a mosaic on the floor there, but underneath that they were holding cells for prisoners. And maybe Paul was kept here for two years under the care of Felix. But this city was an incredible city. It had a, a palace built by Herod. It had a hippodrome where there were horse races, and many Roman soldiers were stationed here. Probably the, the most incredible thing that we saw, and you can imagine this in your mind, there was no fresh water in Caesarea. 
So King Herod built 10 miles of aqueducts to bring water from Mount Carmel many miles away to bring fresh water all the way to Caesarea. These are some of the aqueducts that you can still see today that ran for mile after mile after mile bringing fresh water to Caesarea. And this is where Paul's at for two years. He's having conversations with, with Felix. And then if we keep going to the Acts 6, Felix is going to get called away to Rome. Another man named Festus comes to take over his governorship. And Festus right away wants to hear Paul's case. So he invites Paul to come and speak to him. And he brings Paul before him and says, Paul, will you go back to Jerusalem to have a trial in Jerusalem where your accusers are? And Paul says, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm innocent. And here's where Paul figures out how to get to Rome. Because in the midst of all this, Paul does something that only a Roman citizen can do. If someone is acu was accused of a crime in Rome, in the Roman Empire, they had a right at any moment to appeal to Caesar, to have their case personally heard by Caesar himself. And so Paul in this moment before Festus appeals to Caesar says, no one's going to hear my case here. I want to go to Caesar to hear my case. And Festus can't do anything about it. Paul's now on his way to Rome. But Festus has this friend, Agrippa, King Agrippa II, who is king over all of Palestine, a Roman king, who comes to visit Festus, and they bring Paul before Festus, or Paul before Agrippa. And Paul's going to share his story one more time. And if we had time to read all of Acts chapter 26, I would. But I want to start at verse 12 because Paul has this gathering. They're in an auditorium, uh, probably in Herod's temple or Herod's palace. And all these people are gathered to hear what Paul is going to say. There's King Agrippa and his sister. There's Festus. There's all these other dignitaries. There's pomp and circumstance at this trial, and Paul sees all these people gathered. And he's a witness one more time, and he's gonna tell the story about how Jesus changed everything. And so in Acts chapter 26, verse 12, Paul begins to tell them this story about what happened on the, road to, on the road to Damascus. He says, one day I was on a mission to Damascus armed with authority, with the authority and the commission of the leading priest. About noon, your majesty. He's, he's addressing the king. Paul's addressing the king, your majesty. As I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord, I asked. And the Lord replied, and listen now to how Paul is changing some details. He's adding some conversation from Jesus. That didn't occur in Acts chapter 22 or Acts chapter 9. But he, Paul says, I heard this from Jesus. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Jesus says to Paul, you will be my witness. You are to tell the world what you have seen and what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people, the Jews and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they can turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness from their sins and, begin, and be given a place in God's people who are set apart 
by faith in me. And so Paul gets this message about how God is including the Gentiles into his family. And his death on the cross offers forgiveness for their sins and invites them into his family. That's bigger than just the Jewish people. And God says, Paul, I'm sending you to these people. And then he, Paul goes on in this story to tell King Agrippa and all those gathered that I obeyed this vision and I went and I did it. And I was teaching all these people about all the things from Moses and the prophets. And in verse 23, he said that I, I, I preached that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead and in this way announce God's light to the Jews and Gentiles alike. So Paul is preaching Jesus has risen from the dead. And suddenly, Luke tells us that Festus shouted, Paul, you are insane. So no one is believing Paul. You studied too much. It's made you crazy. You're crazy, Paul. You believe in this crazy idea that this man named Jesus, he raised from the dead. And you're telling everyone about it. That's insane. Paul replies to Festus, I'm not insane. Most excellent Festus. What I am saying is the sober truth, and King Agrippa knows this about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are all familiar to him, for they are not done on the corner. Paul says, all these things I'm not done in secret. They're available for everyone to see. And then he addresses King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know you do. And then King Agrippa is offended by what Paul is trying to invite him into, to have his heart open to what Jesus has done. And King Agrippa interrupts Paul and says, do you think you can easily persuade me to become a Christian? And Agrippa realizes that Paul is sharing his story about Jesus. And he's inviting everyone in this room into a relationship with Jesus. And King Agrippa says, I don't want any of that. He shuts the whole thing down. They leave quickly, but, but before they do, Paul says this in verse 29. Whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you, King Agrippa, and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am except for these chains. So Paul is telling everyone, I want you to know this hope that's found in Jesus, this gospel message. Paul's witnessing to this story about Jesus, how Jesus changes everything. You may hear this story. I hope you sense the drama of what's happening here. And you may say, that's just really a story. Last week, we talked about how we read Acts, and you have to read the story, you have to examine the story, and then we have to embody the story. So how do you and I embody this story about a man named Paul who was on this crazy journey around the Mediterranean world. Somehow he makes his way back to Jerusalem. Some people want to kill him, just like they killed Jesus. He's rescued by the Romans of all people. He's whisked away in the night to Caesarea. And then he finds himself before kings. And he's sharing a story about Jesus to them. You see, Paul was in his own day, in his own context, and God had put certain people in Paul's life for Paul to witness to, to share his testimony about Jesus. And the same is true of you and I. 
is that there are people in your life today and my life today that as followers of Jesus, we believe God desires for us to share our story, to be a witness like Paul about what God has done to change, change us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're, the invitation is to be a witness, just like Paul, just like the early church here in Acts. And so how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you share your story? What can we learn from Paul about sharing our story to those around us? At the very end of your notes, there's, there are about six points there that I want to highlight as we end today. And I'm going to invite you to do something this week. You see, from Paul's two speeches about his story, about encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus, he's doing a, a number of different things. But here's the big idea, if you remember this from today. A witness shares a story about how Jesus changes everything. And then that witness invites others to experience the transformation that's found in the resurrected Jesus. Paul's doing that in these chapters in Acts. And really, God is inviting us to do that. And so we do that by first experiencing Jesus, by meeting Jesus. Just like Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, there's a moment in our lives where I believe Jesus desires to meet each and every one of us and to change us, change our lives. When that happens, then we're invited to be his disciple, his follower, by sharing this story about how we met Jesus. And that story changes based on the audience that we're around. Whoever around needs to hear something different. And so Paul speaks differently to the Jews. Then he speaks to King Agrippa. He's catering his story to his audience, just like you and I should cater the story of Jesus to whoever we're sharing it with. Paul's focusing on Jesus. Jesus is the focus of the story, not us. When you share your story, it's a story about Jesus and how he changed you. And then Paul changes some details. He highlights different things. He changes some. He adds words here. He's talking about Jesus in these different areas, but he's focusing on how he's been changed. I was this way, Paul says, and now I'm this way because I met Jesus and everything changed. He's been changed by the risen Jesus. And then if you look at all these stories, Paul is focusing on the people that influenced him. He mentions Stephen. He mentions the man named Ananias. All these people had influence in his own story. As I read Acts, I can't help but think Paul is standing at Stephen's death. Stephen is giving this testimony as a witness, as a martyr. He's going to become the first martyr. Of all that God has done from Abraham to Jesus, and Paul hears it, and he gives witness to it. And then Paul later witnesses to the same story, how Jesus fulfills the story of Israel. And he becomes a witness to what God is doing. Paul's learned from other people. Ananias accepted him into the way, built him up, and allowed him to preach. And Paul's giving credit to them. Who were who the people that influenced you in your life and your story about how you met Jesus? We all have different stories. We're all invited to share those stories with those around us, to be a witness. Acts is about being a witness where you're at. Paul does it, and the question is, are you and I doing it? Are we doing it to the people that God has placed around us? We all have different stories. My story is not as dramatic as, as Paul's story. I didn't encounter Jesus in the middle of the road one day, 
I remember being in first grade at church camp. And throughout this church camp, we had to carry around this two by six block of wood all week at this church camp that represented the sin in our lives. We carried it to our meals. We carried it to when we played games. We carried it everywhere with us. And at the end of this week, we all came together for this bonfire. And an invitation was given to accept Jesus as king of your life. And to do that, all you had to do was take that burden of sin and put it in the fire. And I remember doing that as a first grader. And since then, I could tell you story after story of encountering Jesus along this way of following him. We all have different stories. No story is greater than the other because they all focus on Jesus and how he changed us. So this week, my encouragement to you is to think about your story. Maybe write it down. Who you were before Jesus, how you met Jesus, and what, how you are after him. And then tell someone about it. Because a witness shares the story about Jesus, how he changes everything. Paul did that. Are you and I doing that? I'm going to invite us to respond to God this morning. We're going to sing one last song together, but before, before we do that, I'm going to pray. I invite you to think about how God has changed you. And if God hasn't changed you yet, today would be an incredible day to reach out to him because God longs to reach out to you. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks and praise for your, your servant, Paul for his life, for his story. But God, more importantly, we give you thanks for your son Jesus, how he changes everything. God, if you can take a man like Saul who was killing your people and transform him into your servant and your witness, God, you can do the same in our lives as well. So God, I pray that if there's someone here this morning who has questions about faith or what it means to follow Jesus or just feels, God, your spirit close to them, pressing them to say yes to Jesus, I pray, God, that today would be that day of salvation. If they realize that they haven't met you yet, that's just a prayer away, to reach out to you, to say, Jesus, I confess you as Lord, as King. I accept your sacrifice on the cross. Jesus, I invite your blood to wash away my sin and to make me a new person. God, we pray that today someone would pray that and reach out to you and experience that forgiveness. For others of us in this room, God, help us to, to be aware of our story, how you've changed us, and to share that with others this week. God, give us boldness, give us courage, give us the empowerment by your spirit to be your witness, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Springs podcast. Our hope is that you hear the truth of God's word and that you are encouraged and challenged by it. If you would like to take your faith journey to the next level, check out the Getting Started plan on our mobile app or our website, harvestsprings.com. The Getting Started plan is a seven-day video-based teaching that will help you start your relationship with Jesus off in the right direction. And if there's anything that we can do to help, just fill out a connection card on our website or on the mobile app.